Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 11th of August, 2020. And recently, I went on a hike with my family uh, down in Jump Creek, a real great and simple short hike, which is important for me with very young kids, but we really enjoyed it. We had a great time there, and I'm looking forward to my kids growing up and being able to do more hikes and longer hikes and more complicated things like that when they're able to handle it. And when you think about hiking, never on a hike is it all about, well, I'm just really got my eyes on the ground, focused on my feet, just putting one foot in front of the other. Even when people ask you, hey, what's a good place to go hiking? What are some of the things you think of? Well, probably one of the top things you think of is the scenery. Where is there a cool place to go? Because there are awesome things to look at. And what makes a good hike isn't just putting your eyes on your feet one step in front of the other. It's what do I get to look at and enjoy while I am on this walk, while I am on this journey? When we think about the Christian life and we think about the walk of a Christian and the journey of a Christian, the joy and and the goodness of that walk come not from just with our eyes on the ground, putting one foot in front of the other. No, there's something to be said for us as Christians, enjoying the scenery, looking up and seeing what is around us. And as we're going to see in our first passage today, Colossians 3, 1 through 11 When we look around at the scenery as a believer, what we're looking at is eternity. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, where it says, If then, which could also be translated more with the idea of since, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, second verse, set your minds on things above, not on the things of earth. Don't get caught up in just putting one foot in front of the other in these necessities of daily life. Think about the things that are Above, that is your future. It's even your present because your life is hidden with Christ in God. And we're looking forward to eternity when Christ appears, when we will appear with him in glory. Really, the reality is that as Christians, we cannot think enough about heaven and that reality. And we need to look up more and enjoy what is going on. And even when we get to difficult places, I mean, sometimes when you think about hiking, there are difficult stretches in a hike, hard parts to it. But one of the things that keeps you going is, well, it will be worth it. And maybe you're looking ahead to the place you're trying to get to, or you're thinking of the scenery of where you are going. And for us as Christians, there are going to be parts of our lives that are difficult. But if we look at what truly is going on around us, and we keep our eyes focused on where we are going, that will provide so much encouragement and help for us. We need to think more about heaven. We need to think more about the spiritual realities around us, that Jesus is on the throne, that our life is hidden with 
Him, and we need to set our sights more on heaven. And if we think that's escapism or, you know, just putting our head in the clouds, we don't understand it. Because all throughout the New Testament, we clearly see that a true hope in heaven inspires courage and hope and joy and love right here, right now in the present. And that's even what we see as we really dig into Colossians chapter Three, which I've often said, you know, hey, for a new believer, if I could give them one chapter of the Bible, it might be this one because it tells us, all right, you're a Christian. Stop doing these things and start doing these things. And it even gets into the nitty gritty of, um, you know, work relationships and and parents and marriage, all these things at the end of the chapter, which we'll get to tomorrow. But today it really focuses on the, the things that we should stop doing putting away sexual immorality, putting away anger, lying, bad language, uh, putting off, you know, divisions that are based on earthly, fleshly things like race or nation or background or wealth, anything like that. We want to not let those be divisions between us now because Christ is what unites us. And so, you might be thinking, well, doesn't isn't this kind of getting into a list of do's and, and don'ts? And I guess on some level, yes, this is do's and don'ts of the Christian life, but we really got to understand why. Nothing about this is, hey, don't do this and do this, and then God will love you. That's not what the Bible teaches. Not here, not anywhere. What it is teaching, really, it's not, hey, do these things so you can get some result. Really what it is, is, hey, something has happened to you, therefore do these things, right? That the reason we want to stay away from sin as a Christian and we want to pursue righteousness and even in our daily relationships, which we'll look at tomorrow, it is not to earn God's favor. It is not to score spiritual points. It is not to, um, you know, just be good Christians. It's because heaven is our home and we are new people. The logic of the Bible is much more based on, hey, because of who you are in Christ now and because of where you are going in heaven, your life now should reflect those values. That you should stay away from sin and immorality and lying and you should pursue love and compassion and peace and the word of God. That this is what we need to pursue now because we are in Christ. So dig into that list, maybe look at that list and pray through God or any of these things, temptations that I am still facing or struggling with. And then I want you to reflect. It's not just, all right, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. It's, hey, I'm going to set my eyes on heaven and I'm going to really pray through whatever this is in my life and realize this is inconsistent with who I am in Christ because I have been raised with Christ. I am dead to my former way of life. I want to live like that now. What a great lesson from Colossians chapter 3. And as we're on this journey towards heaven, there are difficult stretches. There are times when we need encouragement. And I found so much encouragement reading Psalm 94 over the last few days, and especially wrapping it up today with verses 16 through 23. And just a couple of verses really stood out to me. First, 18 and 19. It says, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, 
held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. What an encouraging couple of verses, because we all have those moments in life where it feels like, God, I, I, I'm slipping or life is getting crazy or just stuff is going on. God, help me. And in those moments, his steadfast love holds us up. Even on that hike near the, the pond, you know, next to where the waterfall comes in, there was a, a kid climbing and he started slipping and someone else in his group literally came and grabbed his feet and held him up. What a great picture of what God does for us. He holds us up. And even specifically, it says it's his steadfast love. God holds us up, not just in a rough, cruel manner. He lovingly supports us. And when the cares of our heart are many, man, there are even more ways that we can trust God. And so many things in his character, in our history, in all that he has done to console our souls. I also love verse 22. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. And what an encouraging thing that is. We have a safe place that we can go as Christians and seek refuge and and hide away. Even I was reminded of that hiking in that Jump Creek Canyon. If you've ever, if you haven't been down there, it's a great outing to do if you're here in the Treasure Valley. If you have been there, it reminds me of a place in Israel called En Gedi. And there's a canyon there that the Bible even specifically talks about David and his men hiding out there as a safe place. And it made me think of that. And we have a safe place that we can go in times of trouble. And that is running to our Lord, running to our Savior, seeking comfort and consolation in Him. Now, As we look at examples of what does it look like to be faithful when things are hard, it's hard to find a better example than Nehemiah. And so we're looking today at Nehemiah 4 through 6. And I love studying this book because Nehemiah, I mean, we we, we see in the Bible, it's, it's not just about, all right, do all the right things. No, it's pointing us towards Jesus Christ. But one thing we do see in Scripture are examples that are helpful for us to follow. And Nehemiah is definitely one of those examples. And we see that in chapter four today, we we see there is opposition to the work. But what we see from Nehemiah is a, a bravery and a courage to help lead the people and inspire the people to keep going and even taking the practical measures to defend themselves. And so he leads the people in all of that, but he also clearly shows a trust in God. He encourages people in verse 14 saying, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, right? This isn't just about us. It's about the Lord being on our side. And he was like, even if there is an attack, verse 20, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So Nehemiah is a great example of courage and a courage not that just comes from being a macho man, but a courage that comes from trusting God and seeking to do something that he was convinced this is what God wants me to do. He wasn't just building a mansion. He was building up the walls of Jerusalem, something that he knew God wanted him to do. We see something of the character of Nehemiah in chapter 5, that he was a, a generous and just very thoughtful 
uh, person as he tries to lead the people in stopping for the rich to oppress the poor there as they were trying to rebuild this city. And he set the example for that even as the governor. He was not taking all the things that normally the governor would take. Normally the governor would be living high on the hog and really having a very cush, luxurious life. And he said, no, no, now is basically not the right time for that. Now is a time, sure, I need what I need, but I want to be generous with that. I want to provide for other people with that. And I don't want to burden the people here that are trying to rebuild this city just so I can have all the luxuries of leadership. We see he was a a generous and sacrificial person. And then we see something of the wisdom of Nehemiah as we get into chapter six and his enemies try to catch him with some kind of conspiracy and they continue to try to intimidate him. But Nehemiah shows that he's not going to get caught up in that. And he shows a great deal of wisdom and even restraint and again, courage as he does this. So Nehemiah is a great example for us. We need courage that comes from a confidence in God. We need to be people that just aren't out for ourselves and what we want and what we think we deserve. And we need to be people that really seek wisdom in difficult situations. Finally, we look at Luke chapter 11 today and verses 14 through 23. And here we see Jesus He casts out a demon and he gets accused. You know, people say, oh, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. So they're saying, this isn't God doing this. This is demons doing this. And Jesus responds basically by saying, hey, guys, that makes zero sense. You are talking gibberish, right? How does that make any sense that demons would cast out demons? Why would they be fighting against themselves? Why? Why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. However, what makes sense is if there's somebody stronger. Verse 21, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. And he's trying to say, hey, look at me. Look at what I am doing. I'm stronger. That's why you're seeing demons cast out. Because I am come from God. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 20. And earlier he's making clear. It's by the finger of God that I am casting out demons. Put your trust in me. And this is the savior that has now raised us up from the dead. And we need to look up. We need to enjoy the scenery and realize even when our walk is tough, our scenery, our goal is eternity with Christ. And I think that should encourage us as we continue this week. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.